from Flourish DX School, this is the Flourishing at School podcast. With mental health becoming a global priority, we are your partner for creating schools where students, teachers and school leaders feel good and function well, becoming the best versions of themselves and contributing to a flourishing world. Welcome to the Flourishing at School podcast. I'm Tamara Lechner. Each week, my co-host Jason Van Shee and I bring you the best practitioners, academics, and everything in between in order to inform whole school mental health. I'm delighted that we have John Gale joining us from London today. And Jason, you are still in London. We recorded yesterday you were in London. It was cold. Any updates on how you're doing acclimatizing (laughs) to uh, this different weather? It is still freezing. Um, even the Londoners are saying how cold it is. So I'm assuming it must be really, really cold. <laughs> so, um, no, I'm not acclimatizing. I don't plan on doing that either because I'm heading back to Perth tomorrow evening. Um, so, no, I'm ready, ready to go home and defrost. It's all right for some. Some of us stay and, and endure. Yeah, we're just talking about before we started recording. Uh, like, I, I don't actually know. Yeah, I, I was calling it negative two, but it's actually minus two, but we're just not used to negatives in front of numbers when it comes to temperature and Perth. So I know tomorrow it gets oh, pretty cold out baby. where you are too. So It does. I like to avoid the negatives. Um, and, and we actually don't have them very frequently here. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things that I notice when I'm less resilient, the temperature bothers me more. I can, I can manage with a, a negative temperature when I'm having a good day, but it's one of those things that I have to watch for my well-being. Um, if I'm going down, I notice that the weather impacts me more. Mm, but I, I did visit you in um, in winter one time, and uh, I remember it was beautiful outlook there from um, the island, um, looking out over the Olympus Mountains with the snow-capped uh, peaks. It's uh, really idyllic, like, amazing part of the world. It is a beautiful, beautiful place, and I have a practice that I do that's called always go to pretty way. Um, John was saying before we hopped on that he has a long commute in Victoria. Nobody commutes for more than 15 or 20 minutes maximum. In fact, when we first moved here, we lived seven minutes from our children's school and we would have friends say, Oh, that's too far for us to come and bring our kids to play. Could you, could you come to our house instead? So it's, it's all wow. about that mindset. Wow. right? <laughs> so, so let's get yeah. to this. John, is a friend of Jason's and I'm meeting him for the first time. He's a maths teacher by trade and he's worked mm-hmm. in independent and boarding schools, including Downhouse and Wellington College, which I have heard about both of these schools. Uh, he's worked predominantly in the pastoral care and well-being side of school. He's been a housemaster, a head of boarding, a deputy head of pastoral care, and he was recruited by Eaton College to be part of the team setting up their new state boarding school. And he's had the responsibility for the boarding and pastoral side once again. And currently, he is the principal of King's in Oxford. So I can't wait to hear more, hear more about your career, John. Welcome to the Flourishing Thank School you. podcast. Thank you. It's very nice to be here. Nice to be invited on. Thank you very much. Yeah, John, um, we, we go way back. In fact, you were one of the, yeah. uh, the very first contacts I actually had in schools. Um, and, and the first UK contact I had in the school we must have met in 2015, 2016. It was around um, definitely, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's quite a while ago. And it's been great that we've been able to keep in touch despite you moving around a, a little bit at mm-hmm. that time. Yeah. But um, uh, tomorrow's given us a bit of the, the highlights, if you like, 
um, it'd be great to hear from the horses now, you know, about your uh, experience to date, particularly uh, on the wellbeing side. Oh, certainly, yeah, on the wellbeing side, it's, um, I think that's been the, where I've seen the biggest changes in, in education. Um, as a maths teacher, pedagogy, studying for other students, um, the way you approach that hasn't changed a huge amount, I've got to say, in, in 20 years. Um, what has changed a lot, though, is, is the way we approach sort of the, the, the well-being of students, the mental health of students. That, that's really come on in, in huge leaps and bounds. Um, in no little thanks to sort of you know, programs like Flourishing. Um, so that would be my sort of, sort of main sort of experience. I'm happy to stand up in front of a class and go on about Pythagoras and things like this <laughs> to the cows come home. Um, and uh, it's, it's fairly similar now to what I was doing 20 years ago. But, um, yeah, actually, when I first started teaching, um, I was in a little country grammar school uh, in a place called Lincolnshire in England. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a countryside backwater type sort of place that being sort of roots. It's very quiet, calm, pastoral sort of life. And, um, yeah, there was... There was no mention of mental health at all in the school at the time. Um, going back to the sort of late 90s, was, there really was nothing. Uh, child protection was sort of just, just coming in. Um, and then you sort of fast forward through to talking about holistic education over the next few years. Holistic education started coming in, um, especially when I started teaching in sort of independent boarding schools from that point on. Uh, and people were holistic. Everything had to be holistic. So, so not only are you teaching them you're the academic side of life, but you're doing some you know, PSHE, and in, within PSHE, you're you're looking at sort of your healthcare, you're looking at their emotions a bit. It's just gradually sort of filtered in. Um, mm. It was when I got to Wellington. Wellington was the the sort of the, the real turning point. Wellington College in Berkshire. I was there a year um, when it was a fairly standard boarding school, um, and then uh, Anthony Selden turned up. Sir Doctor, as he is now, Anthony Selden turned up. Um, he, I think at some point in the first year he was with us, he toddled off to Australia. He went to uh, Geelong Grammar and he saw the work they were doing on sort of happiness and sort of uh, positive mental health. Um, he came back to Wellington, stole their ideas shamelessly, <laughs> promoted them within Wellington, um, started uh, something called happiness lessons, where, you know, oh, I, I he never asked me to teach a happiness lesson. I don't know why. I'm one of the happiest people around me. He never <laughs> asked me to do it. Probably too busy in the maths classroom. Um, so he brought in happiness lessons, um, which the uh, media in the UK went absolutely crazy for. We, we had TV camera crews around. We had uh, so many columns in all the papers talking about happiness, happiness, happiness. And uh, I think that was... If not the catalyst, it was certainly you know it's my early adoption of, of that sort of approach mm. to 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 looking after sort of students, uh, particularly in the boarding sector when you've got them twenty four hours a day, seven days a week. Um, you're not sending them home uh, at four o'clock. So so that was my sort of first introduction to how serious schools needed to take mental health of their students. So. Um, that was when I, I sort of left Wellington and became a housemaster and, and sort of carried those ideas with me that are of the sort of the, the, the 
mental health is important. And I worked with my, my boarding students to, to make sure that they were in a good place mentally as best I could um, with, with the, you know, the knowledge that I had then. Um, moving on from that school we, was when I set up uh, Hollyport College, uh, Eton's State Boarding School. And uh, we really made sure, well, at this point, we made sure that it was, it was a huge consideration. Plus the, the, mm. the well-being, the mental health for our students was, was absolutely massive uh, at that point um, and, and built into what we were doing. Uh, Eton, I noticed were on board as well. They were, they were developing this with us. So that was a very exciting time to, to sort of be around. Um, then I moved from there into um, being deputy head at uh, a, a school that was catering for international students within the UK. So this is where my my link with with uh, Jason started my link with with flourishing started um, the school I was at I was deputy head I was, I was in charge of the pastoral care of all these students coming from all around the world some on a one year course some on a two year course but, but none for any huge length of time we didn't have them from eleven to eighteen um, we, we literally had them for one two years tops and they would arrive to us from a school in a faraway country, didn't speak English, had a totally different system, different different way of doing things. So what I found was that um, I was having to deal with, with a huge amount of mental health issues. These students were coming to us um, with all sorts of issues and, and not coping very well being away from their parents for the first time, not coping well with being a border, not coping well with being in the UK and the cold weather, uh, things like this. It's, uh, it's a huge shock to the system. The cultural shock you know, really, really um, affected their mental health, which for some of them wasn't good anyway. Uh, and I was being very reactive, very reactive. It was only after someone had serious issues that I would find out and I would try and deal with it. Um, so, you know, that's what got me to thinking, is there a way of managing this so that if we didn't get to the point where someone was having a breakdown or, or really, really self-harming or getting to that level of, of sort of mental health uh, problems. And I then went on a, on a long hunt on, on the internet to try to find what I could. Um, and obviously my link with, with Anthony Selden led me through the positive was it the Positive Schools website, the, the conglomeration of, of, of schools that are working on sort of positive mental health. Um, and I just saw a little advert on that website for flourishing. Um, and and you know, I clicked on it. And I think you know, within 24 hours, Jason had got back to me saying, oh, you've clicked on our advert. Um, and and so, you know, the rest is history. And it's, uh, it was, um, it took a while to get sort of flourishing up and running. Uh, I think I moved to another school at that point, um, but we got there, didn't we? We we, um, yeah. we managed to get flourishing, sort of ingrained in what uh, school called Heathfield in, in the UK, it's a, a boarding school uh, in Ascot, and uh, we, we got flourishing up and running there, and, and Jesse came over and introduced it to the staff, to the students, to the parents, and um, they, they, they bought into it. And, and oh, jeepers. All right, I've forgotten about that. Well, first of all, <laughs> John, I'd forgotten that you'd worked at that international school, and that's where yeah. we first actually connected. Um, but then I remember, yeah, when I flew over here and um, you got me to present at Heathfield, you didn't think about jet lag at all. Um, I remember. <laughs> yeah. You got sing for yourself, you got to sing for yourself. Oh, the day I got in, it was like an 8 p.m. 
uh, <laughs> presentation, which was 4 a.m. on my body clock that day. Yeah. So, Freezing oh, cold. Freezing, Freezing cold. cold. Uh, and then we, uh, the next day, we got in the car and drove up to York four hours yeah. up the uh, motorway. Four hours up the M1 to, to the York. You know, sitting, yeah, yeah. To the, the University something. I'd put that in the dark recesses of my mind. <laughs> that, trip. Um, that was 48 <laughs> yes. hours, actually. My first trip to the UK, 48 hours. It was, yes. it was big. It's monumental. Yes. Monumental. And thank you again for driving us all the way up to uh, Boothman School, it was. Uh, Boothman School, that's right. Yeah. 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 But um, John, tell tell us because uh, obviously you know you were engaging with us to um, to measure pupil wellbeing. Um, so what yeah. what got you interested in in the measurement side of um, of flourishing? The being able to sort of I don't want to say quantify because I think that gives all the wrong sort of ideas. But but having an idea of the the level of need, I think that's probably a better way of saying it. The level of need of the students. Um, the interesting part about that was, as I said, was I was working at the international school and we had nothing. We, we had students coming in, we knew nothing of their background, we knew nothing at all about them. Um, their families, uh, their agents were very, very reluctant to disclose anything. If there were problems, they wouldn't disclose them for fear that we wouldn't accept them, which is crazy because we weren't. Um, so, you know, it was a case of how do I, how can I tell whether Jeffrey is more deserving of the limited time I had than Jemima was. Um, and just how bad is Jeffrey? Just how bad is Jemima? You know, am, I, am I looking at sort of, you know, high level interventions? Am I looking at getting uh, uh, sort of external agencies involved? Am I looking at sort of just a housemaster, just spending a bit of time and a bit of TLC? The response that we needed would, would depend on, on the, the level of need of the child and, and, and you know, having a way of being able to not just quantify the level of need, but actually to target exactly which areas of need that student had, enabled us to put into place the, the sort of the, the, the measures that we could to, to best help that, that student. Um, so but I, I think we went on a bit of a journey with that though, as well, John, because from memory, um, you know, you were more interested in, you know, that, that was an interest of yours trying to identify, mm -hmm. I guess, pathology or, or, or illness symptoms or distress. Yeah where I was saying, no, what we're really interested in is more primary prevention. How do we identify across all pupils yeah. um, the pillars of, of flourishing? So looking at the PERMA model and then going, well, this is something that every girl at the school can actually benefit from rather than just trying to identify those, um, those pupils who maybe already, in, in most cases, the schools generally know who are the ones that they need to keep more of an eye on. Um, or have a treatment plan for, but it was more like, how can we get every girl um, the targeted attention they need to flourish? Yes, I remember we, we, we did have a few discussions about, about what, what flourishing was aimed at, what it could do, what it should be used mm -hmm. for, what I wanted to use it for. Um, you'll be happy to know that I've obviously come around to your way of thinking and realised yes, you, you were right all along and uh, I was being a mathematician and wanted some lovely numbers. And, uh, you know. uh, <laughs> but no, it... it um, it, you know, there are alternatives to, to flourishing in, in the market in, in the UK, but my my problem with them and, and what I think flourishing does so much better is the ones that are out there generally are a bit more quantifying. They they really do sort of point the finger, this person, you know, this mm -hmm. is fine, that's the one you need to focus on. The trouble is when you get to that stage, as you said, 99% of the time you already know as a, as a mm -hmm. teacher, as a housemaster, as a Personal care lead, you already know because they are displaying some 
massive signs. There's a lot of red flags flying around. But uh, I think what, what I'd like to sort of flourish it when we ran it through the first couple of times was it was highlighting certain areas for certain students who you would have said 100% that student is absolutely fine. You know, they're, they're, they are flourishing, but it's coming back in certain areas. So they, they weren't. Um, we, we didn't have to put in these big elaborate sort of uh, sort of care packages for them. You know, we, we could just sit quietly with a you know, much lower level uh, sort of intervention and um, have a cup of tea with them, a few biscuits and just have a bit of a chat. And, you know, you can sense already that they're, they're relieved that they were talking about it. So, so it's nice to see that. Plus, with, with you know, flourishing was, was one thing that flourishing was really fantastic. It was if we put in uh, a cohort-wide intervention, we could see the results across the cohort. So mm. it wasn't just about the individual. You could just see the results um, because the, the analysis sort of structure of, of flourishing, you know, you could see all the boys in year 10 suddenly you've been working on, on a particular thing in PSAG or in tutor time or whatever in the boarding house and you can see you, you, you run flourishing give it five six weeks of this this, this sort of intervention run it again and you can see the difference it's making across that group so it's good it's good so john and jason just to clarify for our audience because people are listening and they're hearing the word flourishing multiple times and yes. i think we're talking about it around two separate concepts. So we have the measurement, which we now call Flourish DX Schools. And I think when you first used it, John, it was more referred to as flourishing at school. And hence, yes. you've been saying flourishing when you're talking about measurement. Apologies, which yes. is No, no, no. I just want to make sure that everybody's <laughs> on the same page, that if someone's listening, going, well, what am I doing? Am I measuring? Am I teaching? And that I think when you've been saying flourishing, you're referring to the measurement tool. Um, and then you've talked separately about pastoral care and tutor lessons around the skills to flourishing. Um, and so there's this balance of measuring and teaching. Am I, am I right in that? Oh, absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. Flourish, Flourish DX uh, is the tool, as you say, which, which, um, you know, enables us to try to get our students and staff to the points where they are flourishing in that, that, that state of, of flourishing. That, uh, that we aspire to and where you've taken the name of the tool from. Mm. Absolutely right. Because we have used this for staff as well as, as, as students. We, we made it voluntary for staff to use. And uh, you know, it, it was taken up by some, not by others. Um, but those that took it up, you would see them sitting together in the staff room discussing, which, which was nice to see. Uh, you know, I'm sure some thought they were mad, but uh, they got a lot out of it and, and enjoyed the process and were just a lot more self-reflective because of it. So, um, yeah, that was quite fun. I'm so glad you brought that up because I was going to ask you, um, so far we've talked mostly about students, but mm. you did have staff on board as well. So yeah. what I want to ask you is if someone's listening to this and they're just at the beginning of the journey that you started quite a while back, could you share something that you tried in one of your schools that really worked well that you would recommend yeah. that another school might want to try? Okay. The, the one thing that sort of sticks out to me is you have got to get people on board with it. They've got to want to do it. Um, I, I, you know, I have tried to, to install it in the early days, not against people's wishes, but certainly here's, here's something we're going to do. Let's do it sort of thing. And they go, oh, okay. Um, you know, it, it, it didn't, uh, 
it didn't impact as powerfully as, as, as I wanted it to. Trying it again, you know, I, I really made sure that students and staff were very much understanding of what it does, what it doesn't do, um, you know, uh, what they can expect to get out of it, you know, and, and you know, getting them on board. It took, I took much longer to implement it rather than sort of jumping straight in. And, um, and that paid dividends hugely. That, that really, really made a big difference. Um, the uptake, the, the seriousness with which people took it, um, you know, it, it's, it really did what Jason told me many years ago it should do, uh, which is really get people talking about mental health using the language of mental health. Um, so, so I would say definitely if, if someone's going to start now, get people on board with it first, you know, sell them the idea, um, you know, get some conversations going, invite somebody in that already uses it to, to explain the benefits and, and sort of, you know, how it can be done. Um, because, you know, schools and teachers, certainly in the UK, are, are pretty sceptical places. You've, you've got to, you've got to sort of uh, really convince some people to, to sort of you know, get on board with any new initiative. Um, but uh, once you've done it, the majority are there, then um, the rest come on board fairly quickly because they can see that far from being an intrusive uh, sort of clinical process, it's actually fun, you know, and, and we, we got to the point in, in sort of one school where, you know, people were happily sharing their, their, their sort of scores in certain areas and asking each other for advice and help, um, you know, peer to peer, not just tutor to tutee or housemaster to, to sort of their, their, their students in the house. It's, um, you know, if you can get people on board before you start, that's the key. That's the key. Don't just launch it and hope people come on board. Um, that's that's the hard way to do it. I love that Hopefully. advice. It's about the culture of school. And yeah. and I I often say when I work with schools that if, if you don't give your culture time to learn, mm -hmm. the culture is going to decide for you that this is just another flavor of the month and mm -hmm. they're not going to buy in in the deep way that you need to to actually make something like this work so you such good advice and and i think i love hearing that the teachers start to have these conversations with one another it's mm -hmm. it's what we hope when yeah. we go in and work with schools and and i know when jason designed this tool for schools to have these conversations um it's i love hearing that story thank you for sharing that you're welcome. Yeah, and it's a testament to your work, uh, John, at least second time around, when you uh, brought everyone around uh, on the journey that Heathfield is still using uh, Flourishing. So, um, you know, they're a long-time partner of ours and, and still giving us great feedback about how to improve the product to uh, make sure it meets the need. So, um, I'm glad to hear that. Mm. Hey, um, John, but not everything goes smoothly, right, in school, <laughs> particularly when we're uh, being innovative yeah. and trying new things. True, true. So, um, have you tried any wellbeing interventions or um, different things in a, in a wellbeing sense in a school that didn't work so well that you'd caution uh, our listeners uh, away from? I, I would almost just, just repeat what I just sort of said. If, if, if you do something for the sake of it, if you do something because you've got to do something, if, if, you, if you just generally force something through against the will of the students, against the will of the teachers, if, if, if you're doing things just to tick a box, it is soul destroying because it flops and you're standing there watching it flop and you're standing there watching large numbers of people 
gleefully smiling at your failure. So I think, you know, it's, it's, you, yeah, don't, don't try to force it. Don't try to force it. If, if your school or institution hasn't got that sort of self-reflective sort of um, culture already built in, then, then I would very much say, get that sorted first. You know, get that, that get yourself in a position where stuff and, and colleagues or students can sort of look at what they're doing and say, yeah, okay, I didn't do very well there. I need to improve. Here's how I can improve. Get that culture first. Then, then something like flourishing DX would um, will, will fly. It will absolutely fly. But so, yeah, I have tried to force things. Um, I think I had a, a when I was at the school in London, I, I had a, a mental health week. And I invited in all sorts of people and did, 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 and did all sorts of workshops, a variety of workshops every day. It took me a long time to do. It cost a lot of money. Um, and literally, for some of the workshops, you, the, the people were coming in to study and to live. No one was turning up um, because I didn't I didn't get that buy-in first. So mm. it, that, that was horrible. I'll tell you the one thing that always works well, though, if, you, if you're interested, is if you get a, a well-being dog or two to come in, <laughs> uh, that's popular no matter what you can just drop that <laughs> first thing in the morning and it'll still be popular um, so John, yes, Justin yeah. and I from Geelong Grammar often said there would be no positive education work if we could just give everybody a dog because <laughs> dogs that's immediately boost that happiness true. on a campus <laughs> oh, absolutely, I've, I've got um, at the moment here at Kings and Oxford we have um, a student who has um, a a care dog, if you know what I mean. So, you know, yeah, like a support dog. A support dog with her. And um, we agreed to have her having a support dog. Um, there was a vital question we should have asked, and that was, what breed is it? So she turned up at the beginning of term in September with a Great Dane. <laughs> this thing is... A tiny horse. It, it is, it's a horse. It, oh, my God. And uh, so we've got some quite small rooms where we're a school that specialises in small class sizes. You know, so you know, our classes can be anything from three or four up to about 10 or 12. That's it. And the rooms are, are sized accordingly. And you suddenly bring a great day into, into a room <laughs> designed for sort of seven or eight people. Yeah, it takes up it takes up a human space. I'm going to say that at least. Um and, and the other the other problem with, with that is and it's a little bit very well behaved, very happy to have her here. Uh, but the other students, it's it's teaching them that this isn't a pet, you know, this is not your well being dog. This is a support dog for that that particular student. So there are all sorts of rules that don't make eye contact, don't pet it, don't try and feed it. Um, you just stay away, just just ignore the dog. It's there for a reason. It's working. Um, so that was quite a challenge as well, because I say everybody loves dogs. Everybody wants to go and pet the dog and give it a cuddle. No, we had to sort of keep keep pulling them away. No, don't pet the dog. So uh, that was an interesting one. But yeah, yeah, dogs. <laughs> good learning. Good learning. Always, yeah, always, <laughs> always good to to have a dog in school. My daughter at the moment um, is just doing a mocks ready for GCSEs this year. She's looking at universities. She's very keen to to go to Oxford University. And she has chosen the 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 Oxford College that she wants to go to because as she was looking at the various sort of websites, one of them had a cat in the library. They have a library cat. And she said, that's where I'm going. Um, it, not, not just because she loves cats, but because I think it says something about the institution that, that values and acknowledges the, 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 the sort of what, what, a, what a pet or an animal has to offer 
to, to a student body, you know, that, that calming sort of influence, you know, that sort of unconditional love when it comes up and sort of nuzzes up to you. It's, it's very healing, very healing. So, yeah, there you go, a little story for you. <laughs> My crazy daughter, yeah. I am, I like the fact that she saw the animal, but I, I like the fact that your interpretation of it is, is that deeper interpretation that this is the ethos of a school. And so thinking about from your perspective, the, mm-hmm. how a school feels, I'm always curious to know, and, and I think you'll have a unique pastoral perspective on this. If everything went well mm-hmm. and you got it right, people were feeling good and functioning well across the campus. How would you know? Good question. I, I think um, I have worked in a couple of schools that have got it right. I've worked in some that haven't, but I've worked in some that haven't. And, and I would say there's definitely a buzz. There's just a buzz of, of sort of energy, um, positivity. There's, there's, you, you see people walking around, you see the interaction between the students. It's positive. It's kind. It's respectful. Um, the interaction with the staff and the students uh, goes beyond, I'm here to teach you some, some trigonometry now. So, you know, it's, it's, it's uh, yeah. The, the best one I see was a school where um, this is what we created at Hollywood College for, for Eton. As the students were walking around, the staff were walking around, everybody would just be high-fiving each other. There'd be lots of laughter, lots of smiling, lots of eye contact. Um, it was a, it was a very, very exciting environment to be. Um, definitely, definitely also a bit more sort of under the surface. That's very surface level stuff. Underneath the surface, you'll find that there would be fantastic communication between the student body and the, and the sort of staff body. Um, there would be a lot of really positive ideas coming up. You know, it, it would be a, a school of change. You know, you, the students would be saying, oh, can we do this? Can we do that? How about this? How about that? The staff would be saying, you know, oh, can we try this? Can we try that? And it's that, that sort of freedom, that safety to, to express yourself. Um, and I think it's, a lack of cynicism, I would say, is also in there. But there's a, there's a definite buzz. You, you you know when you're in a school that's getting it right, there is that buzz in the interaction between the, the, the staff, the students, and the students themselves. That's that's good. That That's your indicator, walking around. I, I'm a school inspector as well as, as sort of doing everything else. And um, that's one of the first things I look for. I just, you, you, you arrive at the front gate. You sort of go in. The first thing you look for is uh, how, how are people treating each other and, you know, it is that it's that interaction between people is the first indicator definitely definitely how does that sound does that, does that yeah i mean that's the school you want to be at right you know yeah oh, absolutely yeah. yeah and um yeah it's similar definitely to how i um picture um you know if a, if a school is flourishing like you say it's that surface level stuff but when you get underneath the surface you know there's some yeah. um, you know that that respect and um that communication that that cuts through yeah yeah hey um John, um, I'm interested, is there any uh, podcasts that you're listening to or books that you're reading that you would, I, I, I don't know how you find time, I mean, you've got time maybe on your commute to uh, Well, this to is read absolutely, or... I have, absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. a good good few hours a day that I can devote to these things. Um, there is a fantastic book that I've just, just recently finished that I, I recommend. I would recommend it to everybody, but certainly for those listeners who, who are sort of teaching maths, um, and it's called Care in Mathematics Education. It's by Anne Watson, who was a, a lecturer at Oxford University, and I think I maybe mean, I think she was a government advisor at one point as well for, for math strategy. 
Um, and she's written this book um, exploring how students learn maths better when they are in a, a safe, caring maths lesson and what that safe, caring maths lesson could look like. So at a, at a very sort of, you know, basic practitioner level, that book to me is 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 absolute manner because it's it's just ticking all the boxes. It's sort of things you, as a good sort of teacher or a good math teacher, will realise that uh, you know if, if if you're creating that safe sort of space where the students can feel that they can sort of put their hand up and shout out ideas and they're not mm. going to get ridiculed or, or just sort of tumbled off or just no, then um, then you're gonna, you're going to they're obviously going to learn better. Well, hopefully, so that, that's that's a nice place to be. And, and you know, I see parallels with that and what sort of flourishing DS can do in, in sort of setting a culture of a school. So that's one book I've read and that is very boring, maths related. So you know, it, it's, it's actually, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but it, it actually sounds similar to this uh, philosophy around psychological safety, which is quite the buzzword yes. at the moment, yeah. which is uh, allow, allowing people to speak up and have voice without mm -hmm. that threat of repercussion, uh, you know, professionally or personally. Yes. Yeah, so, well, this is certainly something I'm trying to do as, as, as a principal here is to make sure my staff know that they can say whatever they want safely with no repercussions. So they can challenge anything I do or anything I say. Feel free to challenge it. I welcome it. I encourage it. Um, but yeah, during the commute, sometimes I've got to say I do prefer to sort of um, switch off from work mode. Uh, and I do enjoy uh, a good crime book. So, <laughs> you know... Uh, Inspector Rebus is, is a big favourite of mine, and, and sort of um, Wallander, the Scandi Noir, you know, that, that sort of stuff. So I, I churn through at least a book a week, sort of sitting on trains and buses. Uh, Good man, you need a bit of escape. You need a bit of escape. And in podcast, there's, um, there's a good one called Cult of Pedagogy. Uh, which is really fascinating. If you've not come across that one, that's for, for all the sort of teachers and education nerds out there, cult of pedagogy. It's, it's a real mix of short practical advice and sort of longer, more in-depth sort of discussions and sort of you know, thought, thought, thought processes, which is great. Well, that's um, one that again, no, one's, no one's named yet. And I mean, most oh, of our listeners and guests are uh, in education. So that's oh, uh, surprising. That's an interesting yeah, one. I, I do like them. It's exciting to have some some novel suggestions. Uh, we've had a lot of uh, ideas repeated, John. So oh, okay. you're an outlier. You're you're reading and listening <laughs> to different things. Excellent. And also, if I'm if I'm downtiming it, uh, my my big passion in life is rugby. So I listen to the Good, the Bad, and the Rugby podcast regularly. <laughs> uh, my own team, Bath Rugby Club. You know, I listen to the Bath Rugby Plug. Uh, podcast uh, whenever that one comes out so if anybody's interested in uk rugby and you know, in the west country bath is the place to go i'm sure a lot of our listeners are interested in, in rugby so so thanks and now we'll be hearing from them all saying well what about my team i don't want to listen to that team yes. well, what's the caveat you know other other podcasts are available so yeah there you go there you go well well played well, I think that brings us to the end of this episode of the Flourishing at School podcast. John, thank you for sharing so generously. You've had some fabulous advice and, and I loved listening to your stories. If you are listening to this episode, don't forget you can watch us on the Flourish DX YouTube channel. And we'll be sharing some little snippets and highlights on our LinkedIn page where I invite you to connect with Jason and I. John, are you on LinkedIn? Yes, I am, yep. Awesome. So you'll find John there as well. That's it for this episode. We'll catch you next time. Until then, keep flourishing at school and in life. 
You've been listening to the Flourishing at School podcast. To stay up to date with the latest on whole school mental health, follow Flourish DX School on LinkedIn and subscribe to the Flourishing at School podcast at www.flourishingatschool.com. 